So last week we released what we believe was the word of the Lord for 2024. Uh, I'm sure many of you heard it or were able to watch online, but the word is build. Everybody say build. And uh, we talked about building our lives on the rock, building up one another, building the kingdom of God, and also Jesus' heart to build his church and that we would join him in building his church. Uh, He builds his church, but he's looking for us to come alongside him and partner him and carry that heart to build his church as well. And so this week, I want to take some time. This, this month, our, 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 our series is we talking about build and, and talking about being a city on a hill. Everybody say a city on a hill. And so let's look at Matthew 5, 13 to 16. We've been spending quite a bit of time in the Beatitudes, which is the sermon that Jesus preached from Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And uh, we, we spent some time earlier in the first part of 5. So today, I want to take some time in Matthew 5, 13 to 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Everybody say Salt. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. Everybody say light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There are just several thoughts I want to start with out of this passage because we're talking about building. And today I particularly want to focus on building his church and building what God is doing here at Toronto City Church. And so the first thing that Jesus speaks here, and he's speaking to his people, and he's speaking to what we're called to be, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, most of us here, we don't get that one too well because salt doesn't play the same role for us in our current culture and time as it did in Jesus' culture and time. For most of us here, salt is simply what you have in your shaker and that you put it on your food at the table or maybe you have a, you know, a, a, a container of salt or some type of packaged salt and you use it for a little bit of cooking or whatever else. So when Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, it doesn't hit home with us the way it's supposed to. But in Jesus' time, we need to understand and you know, for thousands of years, salt was actually one of the most valuable resources that people had. Salt was as valuable as water. Salt was more valuable in some context than gold. Literally, salt was used as a currency of exchange, and it was used for money. And the reason was this, there's several reasons, but salt, first and foremost, was a preservation agent. Salt would preserve. And so we're used to having freezers and refrigerators, but obviously that's a very modern invention. And for thousands of years, when you didn't have, you know, you didn't have refrigeration, how would you take care of or maintain your food? What would you do with your food? Well, you would use salt and it would actually preserve. And so salt became a preserving agent. Furthermore, salt was actually vital to life. When you lived in an arid region like where Jesus was, there was many deserts, you literally would need salt when you travel. There's different ways that salt would help you to provide. Salt was given for life. And salt would preserve. It's interesting that Jesus used the picture of salt as well because how many of you notice it doesn't take a whole lot of salt to completely change what your food tastes like? Has anyone here ever had that horrible a traumatic experience where you've got this wonderful dish in front of you. You go get the salt shaker to put it on your food and somebody unscrewed the top. 
and you have the salt pour out all over your food, I mean, you can't even eat it after that. Uh, but you, if you really like the food, you know, I'm trying to scrape it off and get the salt out of there. But how many you know it just a little bit of salt can complete? What's Jesus saying? Listen, there's so much power and authority in being followers of him that it doesn't need to take a lot to completely shift an atmosphere. It doesn't need to take a lot. It's one of the principles of the kingdom. Even we talk about the ecclesia where Jesus said, your salt, even just a few of you going in my power, in my name, can completely shift an atmosphere, can impact and influence a company, can impact and influence a school. Even if you feel like there's not much, you're the salt of the earth, and even a little bit of salt can change the entire texture of something. Somebody say, we're the salt of the earth. And then salt helps preserve when we do our job, when we walk with our responsibility as salt and as the salt of the earth. And when we live that out, listen, even though we're in a world that is difficult and challenging and there's a lot of darkness, when we are in that world and we are in that place, we're the salt of the earth and we actually preserve and we bring preservation to those who are around us. That again, we are called to that, so we are called to be salt. And then Jesus goes on and says, you are also the light of the world. And again, it's interesting because light is incredibly important. Light was connected to life. Light was connected to being able to see. He said, you're the light. So what's he saying? And even if we were to turn off all the lights in here and make this room completely dark, one person with a little cell phone light, it will completely, everyone in the room will see it. Jesus has let us know the power that we have in walking skin, but also this call to be light. And this call to not be afraid of darkness, but to be light and shine in the darkness. Somebody say, you're called to shine in the darkness. And so this leads us then to this statement, and I believe it's so key for what God's calling us even to be as a church, where he says, you are a city on a hill. Now, it's interesting, there's much I could say about this, but I just want to say this for today's sake. As a city on a hill, cities are made up of people. Cities are also made up of structures and infrastructure. But the picture that Jesus is giving, he's talking about salt and especially light, is this picture, and he pictures this city that's up on a hill. And at night, you can see that city for miles around. The light from that city impacts an entire region. And Jesus said, that's what I've called you to be. You're going to be in a world that's dark. You're going to be in circumstances and situations that are dark. But I've called you to be a light, but a city is where many lights come together, and they're together together in unity and cohesion and this becomes a place of life this becomes a place of commerce this becomes a place of development you are called to be a city on a hill everybody say a city on a hill so this year with the word being built there's so many different layers and levels I believe that God wants us to build that but I want to encourage your heart for a few moments today in building a city on a hill now we really go, I'm gonna hit this in several levels in this message, but we have to always guard against, as Western-minded Christians, we always read these things this way. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. Now we know Jesus is the light, but he said you're the light too because he lives in you. We hear I. But Jesus, when he said you, was not talking to one, he was talking to all of us. That's why the city on a hill is so important. When we allow God to join us together to be a city on a hill together, we make far greater impact on people's lives than we're just letting this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Now, it's good to let your light shine, but it's even better when a bunch of people who are letting their light shine come together in unity and in strategy and in cohesion and in structure and together become a city on a hill that begins to impact a region. 
And so I want to talk to you today for a few moments about being a city on a hill. And I actually want to encourage you in three key pillars of what I believe God's building here. So I just want to encourage you in three things. These are not the only things. These are not everything. But I want to talk about three pillars of what God is building here at Toronto City Church. Come on, everybody say it again. City on a hill. So let's talk about pillar number one. Pillar number one, I want to talk to you about two wings of what I believe God is doing here. I want you to picture a fighter jet, and it's like this picture of a fighter jet that's about to take off, but if it's going to fly properly, it needs to have two wings. It will not just fly with one wing. And I want to talk to you about two wings of what I believe God's doing here. One has been very strong for the years. The other is something I believe in 2024 God is going to begin building and developing more. Let me explain to you what I mean. Wing number one is God is calling us to build as a vibrant, healthy, Jesus-honoring local church. That's wing number one. We are called to build that. But wing number two is God is beginning to stretch us and grow us as what I'm going to call an apostolic center. Everybody say local church. Everybody say apostolic center. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10.13. And 2 Corinthians 10.13 says this. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. Now, there's a very important concept that Paul's talking about here, and I'm going to go a little deeper on this one. I want to stretch some of your thinking a little bit. But he says here, he says, I want you to focus this thing, this area of influence. Every person, it actually comes from a Greek word called metron. Greek's the original language it's built in. And it's metron. Every one of us, one of the things God gives us is he gives us an area of influence. And we are responsible to follow him, to serve him, and to make an impact and a difference in our area of influence. Now, your metron, your area of influence, can grow and expand as you are faithful with little. God will make you rule over much. But there is also an element that each one of us is given a measure. We're given an area of influence. And we're talking last week about standing before Jesus and giving us an account. We are going to stand before Jesus and give an account on how faithful we were with the metron or the realm of influence that he gave us. So just because I may have a broader area of influence, because that's what God's asked me to do, and someone sitting here today may say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to be in my workplace and whatever. So Pastor Brendan is going to get way more spiritual rewards, because look, no, no, here's the deal. I'm just being faithful with what God asked me and equipped me to. You be faithful with what God asked you and equipped you to, and we both receive equal reward for our faithfulness within our metron. Does that make sense? And so it moves beyond the individual because it also becomes an element in a local church that God gives every church, he gives each church, he gives different graces and he gives different areas of influence. That's one of the reasons why, guys, we always have to keep a heart for the larger body of Christ. We need many, many, many churches in Toronto. We need way more churches than we have right now. Why? Because there's millions of people here in this city that need to be reached and loved and served in the name of Jesus. Now, I know it's important we have unity in the body of Christ, and I know it can be frustrating sometimes to look around and see the divisions, but sometimes people have this perspective, well, we just need a church. We just need one church. We just need one church. Well, can you imagine if there was only one restaurant in the city? How many of that get pretty boring pretty quickly? Now, it might be a great restaurant, but how many know that God's created us with diversity? And so there's certain restaurants that I like that you might not like. And certain restaurants that you might like, that might, you're not going to get me too excited about sushi. Now, it's just me, 
Raw fish? Come on, man. I mean, I'll do some of it. But I, I'm more, put me at the steakhouse. But then some of you, you're going sushi. You know, your mouth's just watering right now. You're already like, why are you bringing up sushi right now, pastor? Right? There's all these differences. Can you imagine if we all had to buy clothes at the same clothing store? Right? Think about that. Right? The only place you can get your clothes is Costco. Now, I know some of you are like, Pastor, I could do that. That's great. You love the Kirkland signature, this and that. But some of you are just like, Pastor, that would be fashion hell. I can't even imagine. Right? Because God's created us differently. He's created us with diversity. And part of the representation of his body is its unity within diversity. So part of why I'm saying this is there is an element that every church has different metrons. There's many churches and their metron is to be a healthy local church. And they serve their community. They serve the people in their church family. That's what God's asked them about to do. But then there's other churches that God says, listen, I want you to be a healthy local church because you never lose that. But I'm now also calling you to spread your wings a little further. I'm calling you to serve your city in a greater capacity. I'm called you to serve your nation in a greater capacity. I'm calling you, I'm increasing your metron. Why am I saying this? Because I believe in 2024, 2024 is a year when we look back that we will see that God, while we continue to build the, the, the wing of the local church, that God said, hey, there's some things you've been faithful with. There's also some things that are just my order and timing right now. I'm increasing your metron and I'm increasing you to make an impact in an even larger scale. Now, I almost said greater, but I don't even want to say greater because if there's a church that's operating within the metron that God gave us, one is not greater than the other. You're just doing what you're supposed to do, right? It's like with Nehemiah where everyone had their place on the wall to build. And you can't go, well, I wish I was over there building with these people, or I wish I was over here. I mean, you have all the different gates, the sheep gate, the this gate, the dung gate. I'm like, I would not want to build the dung gate, but you know, somebody's got to get in there and they got to, I don't know, pinch your nose and build the dung gate. I don't even know. I mean, it, was, it wasn't technically in the gate. You know what I'm talking about. But there's this element, guys, of what God's doing. And so in this year, we want to continue to build a healthy Jesus-honoring local church. It's so important that we're a place where people are pastored, where people are cared for, where spiritual Babies can grow and mature where we can have ministries for the entire family and that we build a healthy local church. But let me say this. If our expectation is that's Pastor Brennan, Pastor Sharon, Pastor Sam, a few other people, their job is to pastor everybody, that doesn't work well. We're called many of us to rise up to that place, right? Because Ephesians chapter 4, my primary job is to equip you, not to do the job for you. Amen. I mean, we're kind of going through something in the household right now. It's a little bit of growing right now because, um, you know, with the kids, Pastor Sharon, because, you know, you know, everyone, we got our different perspectives, our different families of origin, our different cultures. So Pastor Sharon's like, listen, with certain things, the kids need to know how to make their own breakfast. Well, you know, I'm like, no, I can make the breakfast for them. I'm good. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. And I don't know where it comes from. It's probably just my mom took good care of us for years, and I still go home. My mom makes everything and cleans everything and does whatever, and I just smile and receive it. But, you know, Pastor Sharon is kind of reminding me in that, right? But sometimes we turn church into that. We get a few people, and they're the ones who do everything for everybody instead of recognizing, no, I'm called to serve. I'm called to be equipped. I'm called to minister and to do what God's called me to do. It's got quiet in the church. All right, so in that, God's building these wings, 
And so we have the wing of a vibrant local church that will never lose. But there's also this wing of the apostolic center. And I believe we're going to see. This year I think it's going to be some baby steps. But we're going to start to see some things emerge more where God says, hey, I'm giving you assignment that goes beyond. Uh, I believe it's going to be real important around the prophetic and what God's stirring in the prophetic. There's things that God is stirring and teaching and training us in here that's not just for us. It is for us, but it's for us to share on a broader scale. I believe God's doing it in the creative realm. That's why we had an amazing time at Wild Pioneer. How many were at Wild Pioneer this past Sunday night? And we had amazing, we probably had about 150 people come in. And, and it was so powerful. But you know, one of the things I love about it and the way we're structuring it, if you'll notice, it's not meant to be a Toronto City Church thing. This is served by Toronto City Church. And yes, it's going to bless our church, but this is a kingdom thing. This is something we want to structure and take larger. I believe God wants to do some real strong things. We'll take some baby steps this year in business and in kingdom business and in connecting and raising up people who are going to have a heart to be, pump resources into the kingdom of God, build businesses that make an impact, make a difference. I'm really excited. We'll be sharing more about this, but we've got a, a, a test group that's going through uh, a, uh, it's called an Ecclesia Accelerator and transform our world and learning how do I make an impact in my, the marketplace? How do I make an impact in the business? And really talk about what does this look like? And then I love, and, and then I think as well, just how do we, I always want to have a heart, how can we help and serve pastors and leaders and churches and just this leadership piece? So we're going to take some baby steps. But it's important we understand this and we get this, or else what could happen, this tension starts to form, because sometimes we go, well, no, we just need to take care of ourselves. We just need to, what about us? It's like, well, no, yes for us. But he who waters is watered, right? Cast your bread upon many waters, and then if every wave, it will start coming back to you, the scriptures say. But it's having the right perspective. And so practically this year, we need to keep building a vibrant, healthy local church. Each one of us are part of it and involved. I had a good conversation with someone today. They're seeing, guys, because we're growing, we're, we're changing as a church, and when that happens, we're not perfect. There's going to be gaps, there's going to be times we didn't follow up or this fell through the cracks or this didn't happen. That's how it is. And so, again, the heart we want to have, we had a great conversation with us. They were seeing some gaps, so they suggested some solutions, right? It's like recognize, okay, we're growing, we're moving, we're going to see things. So let's bring the solutions forward. Let's bring the ideas forward. Let's keep building this thing. Let's keep building what God has built. So we're going to build a vibrant, healthy local church, but then also be faithful to the broader assignments that God gives us. And so it's starting to take step. And here's the key. As we grow this thing, part of being an apostolic center, I love there's a picture. So I was working for me. It's a little bit like an airport. It's an airport where you've got planes coming and you've got planes going. And I want you, many of you get ready. Some of you don't have passports. By faith, you need to go get a passport. Some of you need to get some perspective because God wants to work through your life. God wants to go. And we're going to see many people sent out, making an impact, coming back in. We want to have this heart that says, God, we want to serve and advance your kingdom. Someone tell your neighbor, get your passport. And if you got it already, you can tell them, I already got it. Some of you need to get your driver's license. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Wow, we're getting claps. Seriously. Seriously, you're like, well, I'm, I'm fine riding the bus, Pastor. I'm good. I get chauffeured in a $250,000 vehicle every single day called the TTC. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? You can't pick up somebody and bring them to church on the bus. I mean, you can, but it's just not particularly attractive. Right? So, gentlemen, you want to get married. Listen, pick her up in a car in Jesus' name. 
right? Just, amen. So you just receive that vehicle in the name of Jesus. Amen, right? But seriously, it's, it's, I want you to expand your vision. Amen, Jerry? I mean, Jerry's receiving something back there. Is that the car or is that the girl to pick up in the car? All right, we'll take both. All right, amen. So, amen, right? So, so here's the deal, right? The deal is saying, okay, I want you to expand your vision. I want you to dream bigger. We do not want to be a church where for the rest of your life you sit in that pew and you just watch me preach. You have a calling. You have a ministry. You have a purpose. God's called you to impact people I could never impact, touch people I could never touch. My job is to get you in here, get you fueled up, get you fired up, get you freed up, and send you out there to go after the gates of hell that will not prevail against the church. Amen? I'm a little fired up about it, but I want to see you walk this thing out. People say, well, pastor, I think the church needs to do this. Okay, you're the church. Let's do it. Amen? Amen. All right. Okay, keep going here. That's pillar number one. Pillar number one is doing. Now, the second pillar is another two-wing reality. I want to talk to you a little bit about connect groups. Everybody say, get connected. Acts 2, 42 to 47 says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they are selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point, but I want you to see in this passage, it's a picture of the early church and what God was doing. And it's a picture of a church in revival and God moving. See how much community is woven into these five verses. See how much it's baked in there. Again, remember I said the challenge for many of us, Western-minded believers, we always think individual, me, myself, and I. And if I have time, I'll open my life up to somebody else. But that's not kingdom. Kingdom is they were all together, they were devoted, they were listening to teaching, they were fellowshipping, they were breaking bread, they were in prayers, there's together, right? Peter and John were going to the temple together at the day to pray when they saw the man who was lame and raised up. There was something about togetherness. It's not that there's nothing every individual because you do have your personal walk with God and sometimes there's some journeys you can only take by yourself but that's not meant to be the norm. That's meant to be something that happens but then God calls you to be in community. Everybody say community. This word fellowship in this passage is so important. There's so much revelation because it's the Greek word koinonia. Now, when I hear fellowship, I don't know what you think about. I think about growing up in my Pentecostal church with the gymnasium with carpet on the ground. Whoever thought that was a good idea. And after service, we'd go downstairs and eat some food in the fellowship hall. So for me, now it's interesting because there's food, which is a big part of kingdom community. Right? God created us for that. There, there's knowing each other, but we reduce it so much to just a post-Sunday gather. Let's go fellowship at Swiss Chalet. Hallelujah. Or whatever else, where koinonia is so much more. It's literally we've been joined together by the Spirit, and we are one in the Lord. And that your win is my win. That I mourn with those who mourn. I rejoice with those who rejoice. We battle for one another. That's the spirit of koinonia, and that's the spirit that we have to fight for. And you notice this, the pattern. They attended the temple together, and then they broke bread in their homes. Here's the second two wings, if you could say it. We need to be together in the large group context. 
We worship the Lord ministers to us. We hear a word that steps us forward, but we also need to be together in the small group context. We need to gather from house to house, from Zoom call to Zoom call. They didn't have it back then. We have it now. All these things where we are gathering together, it is so key. Acts 20 verse 20 says this, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. See the two wings again? Public, large group, house to house, small group. Guys, and there's a battle over this. But it's absolutely vital. It is a key component of what God wants to build here. This city on the hill is that we embrace not only the large group gathering. It's important. We're not taking away from that all. But we also embrace gathering from house to house. We embrace gathering together. And that is the spirit behind connect groups. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 12 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Amen. Believing for marriages in 2024 and 2025 in Jesus' name. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Here's the spirit of connect groups. Connect groups are where we gather together on a weekly basis. And it looks different than service. It looks different, but that's the whole point. Because we're actually together building community, following Jesus, being a disciple. Jesus never called disciples on their own. He always called disciples into community. And we see here out of Ecclesiastes, in our connect groups, number one, we work together to advance God's kingdom. There's a good reward for what we do. Number two, we lift one another up. If you fall down, you got some people who know you, who are looking out for you, and they can lift you up. But you know what else? Because so often we see it that way. But what about the person who falls, and they need you to lift them up? If you've never allowed yourself to be connected to the people God's called you to be connected to, there's a gap in that person's life because God called you to be there. But you're kind of isolating. We, there's two of we say, well, I just, I got to take care of my stuff. I got to do my thing. And we never open our lives up to people that God's called us to open our lives up to. But that's koinonia, that's fellowship. We see this as well. I was looking at verse 11. If two lie together, keep warm. I'm like, well, we're not trying to connect groups, you know. That's not really what we're about. But here's the deal. We're keeping the fire burning in each other's hearts. Right? There's a fire that comes. We've used this example many times. But if you do a campfire, if you take a log and stick it out by itself, it's going to burn out very quickly. But if that log is together with other logs, they burn together. And there's something that happens when you're in unity. And then I love this too because it says, though a man might prevail against one who's alone, two will stand him. There's something about spiritual warfare when we're together. And I'm not by myself trying to fight this battle. But I got some people around me who know how to stand in prayer and stand with me. And I want to encourage encourage you guys, listen, do not allow the devil to cause you to live an isolated Christian life where it's just you and Jesus, because you were never called to just be you and Jesus. You are called to have Pauls in your life who will speak into you. You're called to have Barnabases in your life who are brothers and sisters who encourage you. You are called to have Timothys in your life, those that you pour into. You are never called to be just you and Jesus, because when you follow Jesus, you're supposed to be saying to someone, hey, follow me as I follow Christ, and there's so many people following Jesus where all part of the body of Christ. We are called together. Everybody say together. And the last thing I want to say about this that I love is when we go back in the early church, it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Family, I believe we are on the edge of some massive harvest. There's so many people that God wants to bring into his kingdom, but what connect groups do is it forms a net because if you give your life to Christ, you can't just come sit in a big service and somehow figure things out. 
You need people. You need friends. You need relationships. You need to do it. And so God wants to build the nets so that we're ready for the harvest. That's why Jesus said to Peter, cast your net over the other side of the boat and a great harvest came in. Many churches have no nets to help bring in the harvest. So even though God wants to bring a supernatural harvest to them, he says your nets are full of holes. First, bind up your nets. Join your nets together. Make sure you're connected to each other because then I can send a supernatural harvest because I can trust you to steward those that I'm sending. Come on, somebody say build your nets. So how are we practically living this out? Well, we are going to be launching our winter spring semester for connect groups. And so this week I want to introduce the concept. We're going to send out the link. You can go look online. You can see the different groups are there. You can figure things out. And then next week we're going to pray over all our hosts who are helping host the groups. And we're going to get things launched. But I want to encourage you, get connected. Get connected with what God's doing. Something else that we're doing is we're really going to zero in on men's groups and women's groups. And it's not because... There's something with mixed groups. There can be some great opportunities with mixed groups. But we're in a real discipleship zone right now. And here's how it is. Men and women think differently. Men and women learn differently. Men and women typically are battling and working through some different things. So we want to get guys gathering together, encouraging each other to be the men of God that God's called them to be. We want to get women of God together, encouraging each other to rise up and be the woman that God has called you to be. And then together we're going to work forward and advance God's kingdom. But the key is to get connected. Somebody say get connected. And so that's pillar number two. I want to, just one last moment quickly, and Arnold, you can come back in a second. I want to talk to you about pillar number three. This is something we've done for years, but I know we have so many new faces, so I want you to know the heart and importance of it, and this is Encounter Weekends. Everybody say Encounter. What's an Encounter? These are special Friday, Saturday retreats that we do here at the church. Again, we do it with the men, we do it with the ladies. On this retreat, there's a real focus on the power of the cross, on repentance, on inner healing and freedom, and on being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you go on an encounter weekend, number one, you will encounter God. You will encounter him. Number two, you will encounter yourself. We create a space for you to look at what's going on in here with God's help and with some support. And we have an opportunity to encounter each other. It never ceases to amaze me when you open your heart up for God in these types of things, how you can walk in strangers and you leave 24 hours later or 36 hours later, you leave with family. You feel created because the Holy Spirit joins us together. And so this is a really important part. One encounter with God will transform your life forever. And I'm not saying that encounter weekends are the only place that encounters with God happen. I'm believing for us to be a church filled with encounters with God. I'm believing for Sundays to be times to encounter God. I'm believing when we have Alpha tomorrow night that it's going to be opportunities for people to encounter God. I'm believing when we gather in connect groups, we're going to encounter God in community. But I want you to know that an encounter with God will transform your life. An encounter took Enoch who walked with God and then all of a sudden he was not because he had an encounter. An encounter took Abram and turned him into Abraham, the father of many. An encounter took Sarai and turned her into 
Sarah, the mother of the nations. Why? Because of an encounter with God. The encounter took Jacob, who was the liar and deceiver, and turned him into Israel, the father of the nation under that because of an encounter with God. An encounter with God took Moses from being in the wilderness taking care of sheep to a burning bush that propelled him into seeing the children of Israel set free. And he stood before the most powerful man on the face of the planet. He says, God says, let my people go. An encounter with God forged Joshua, who even though he was a young man, he used to stay in the tent of the presence of God. And that's what prepared him for Jericho. That's what prepared him for AI. That's what prepared him to lead the people of Israel. It was that place of encounter. An encounter with God took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown into the fiery furnace. But the fourth man showed up, and they were delivered. Why? Because of encounter with God. An encounter with God took Daniel, who even though he was thrown into the lion's den, the angel of the Lord came and shut the lion's mouth. It was a place of encounter. An encounter took Isaiah, who saw the Lord seated on the throne. The train of his robe filled the temple, and he took the coal from the altar and touched his lip. He was transformed. An encounter took Ezekiel when he was on the banks of the Euphrates River, and he saw the Lord lifted up. He saw the cherubim and the seraphim and the wheels within the wheels. It was a place of encounter. An encounter took Zechariah and Elizabeth, who even though they were barren and never had children and were way too old, an encounter with God brought them to bring forth John the Baptist who prepared the way of the Lord. An encounter took Mary, who even though she was young, the angel of the Lord appeared to her and she was able to bring forth the Christ. An encounter with God in a dream took Joseph to know that he should take Mary and that he was going to raise God's son and be a father figure in his life. An encounter took the shepherds who were watching the flocks by night, but an angel of the Lord appeared to them and they were able to witness Jesus. An encounter took Simon, the reed, and turned him into Peter, the rock. An encounter took Saul, who was imprisoning Christians and blaspheming the name of Jesus, and turned him into Paul, who was able to write two-thirds of the New Testament and influence lives even today. An encounter took John, the apostle, and even when he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and he heard the Lord say, come up here now, and he wrote a book that's transforming even to this day for generations. Throughout history, we see countless men and women of God who encountered God and changed the world. And I want you to know that's not just past, but today God wants you to encounter him. God wants you to bring transformation, but it comes from the place of encounter. And I'm not here today to say encounter weekends are the only place of some magic fix-all, but I'm saying there, God says, if you draw near to me and I draw near to you, and we have an opportunity to set aside this time to dedicate ourselves to the presence of God, and even in 24 hours, he can change your life. But it's about encounter. And I want to encourage, one last thing I want to say, and then I, I got to stop. At the heart of encounters, and this is something I feel the Lord's really saying for us this year, is freedom. God is saying to us, I want my children free. And God's saying to us, I want you to walk in freedom. This is part, 1 John 3 verse 8 says this, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And guys, I want to encourage you, freedom is about the works of the devil being destroyed. God's will is not that you and I would live in bondage, that we would live under oppression, that we would live under these works of the enemy. But Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. Acts 10.38 says, 
this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is a year of the Holy Spirit, and this is a year of the power of God. God's power is greater than any sin. God's power is greater than any oppression. God's power is greater than any bondage. God's power is greater than any doctor's report or any financial situation, economy going on. And I believe God is saying to us, stretch your faith in 2024 for my power and stretch your faith for my freedom. In Galatians 5, he went about doing good and watch this, and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. I was a little fired up about this recently because Jesus didn't go. You get healing, you don't. You get healing, you don't. The Bible says he healed all who were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is not a blessing. Sickness is an oppression from the devil. Now, can God work through and teach us things and cause us to go? Of course, but that doesn't mean it was from him. It means that he's just so great, he can even take what the devil meant for evil and he can turn it for good. But guys, I just feel a word from the Lord. This is for somebody today. Stop tolerating the oppression of the devil in your life and say, I'm standing in freedom. Galatians 5 verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Come on, somebody say it is for freedom that Christ set us free. And I want, I just feel this heart. God is saying, listen, believe me for my freedom in your life. God is going to set some kids free in this place. God's setting spouses free in Jesus' name. God's setting neighbors free. Stretch your faith, even if it seems impossible in the natural. God, I'm believing you for freedom in 24 in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say freedom. Come on, somebody say it again. Freedom. And so the practical outlook of this is we have encounters in March. We have limited spaces. So I've now fired you up knowing that some of you, if you wait too long to sign up, won't get to go. But we'll have other ones. But if you sign up early, you'll be good. But I want to encourage you. We're going we're gonna to go. But, but I feel beyond this, there's, there's an anointing of freedom. And, oh man, okay. Listen. Stop tolerating the devil doing his thing in your life a lot of times we just tolerate it well you know my parents struggle with this I struggle with this I guess it's just my cross to bear no it's not your cross to bear Jesus went to the cross to set you free from it but don't tolerate it Sometimes we get what we settle for, and if we settle to let the enemies still count, well, they say, you know, just stay out of the main room, but you can still have that area. You can still have that back bedroom. You can still have No, clean out the whole house, right? And it might take a little bit of time. It might take some Jesus and some counseling and some ministry and everything else in between, but you just make a decision. You're not welcome here anymore. I do not accept this anymore. Come on. Somebody brings a package to your door and asks you to sign for it. Nobody said you had to sign for it. The devil may not be stopped coming to your door, but you don't have to sign for the package. You can just return to sender in Jesus' name. You return it to sender and you learn to stand in freedom. And beloved, if you got anything to add, you can get up here and add it because my wife's got anything else she wants to throw in that. But it is a year for freedom. Come on, I just want to pray into this right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you came, Jesus, to destroy the works of the devil, not for us to tolerate the works of the devil. God, I thank you that you went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil because of the Holy Spirit and power. And so I just pray in the name of Jesus for an outflow of Holy Spirit and power. God, I thank you. 
thank you for freedom in the house. God, I thank you that this year we're going to be so free. We're going to walk in freedom in worship, freedom in finances. God, I thank you there's some generational poverty stuff that's hanging some people in here. And I thank you that it's broken in Jesus' name. Even this year, God, but we're going to walk it out. We're going to learn to run in our freedom and dance in our freedom and live in our freedom. And we're going to learn to stand for freedom. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Now, I know some of you go, man, you're really fired up right now. No, there's something being imparted if you receive it. And you just say, I take it. I receive it today. I'm walking in freedom in Jesus' name. And so here's the last thing. Technically, I've done a, a, I'm putting this at the end, but we're just going with it. This is, so now we have an opportunity to sow into where God's taking us in 2024. And so I want to encourage you. We have our first fruits offering. I didn't do like a big buildup and all these explanations and everything else, but I just trust we're going to hear God and pray and obey. But we have this opportunity every year. We do a first fruits offering where we say, okay, we get the word of the Lord for the year and then we sow. And I think it's so powerful to build. So I've said this many times. The chair you're sitting on is because somebody decided to build and give. Right? The walls around us are because somebody decided to build and give. The mic I'm preaching to, the screen you're looking at, everything was because we've had 36 years of faithfulness in this church up to this point. Now we can sit back and go, well, thank you very much. That's wonderful. I'm going to enjoy all this. Or we can take the baton and we can say, thank you. It's now my job to take the baton and take this even further. And it's my job to take that baton and make sure we're doing even more for the next generation that's coming. And so first, second Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So there's something powerful. I want to encourage you. Can we in faith sow bountifully? But do what God puts in your heart to do. We're not trying to put pressure here. And we don't want anyone giving out of reluctance. Like if you're feeling pressured, just don't give. Please, just don't do it. Because that's not the heart. But the heart is saying, God, I want to be a cheerful giver. I'm going to hear the Holy Spirit. And I want to be part of building. I want to be part of building what you're doing. And so we have an opportunity. Again, we don't pass buckets anymore. But on our online giving, you can select first fruits on the envelope. Just make it clear. This is my first fruits offering for 2024. And do what God tells you to do. Can we all do that together? Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we bring things to a close today, God, we thank you for the call to build in 2024. God, I thank you that we're going to unpack more of what that means. I myself do not know the fullness of what you're saying with that, but that's part of what this year is about, is following you in faith. And so, Father, I thank you, even as we've talked today about these pillars. God, I thank you for the apostolic house that you are raising up. God, I thank you for the call, God, that we're going to be a strong, vibrant, healthy local church, but we are also going to be an apostolic center. God, where people need their passports because they're called to nations. And God, they're called to communities and they're called to solve problems with kingdom solutions in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for connect groups and that you are going to join us in unity and in community in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you for encounters with you. God, for on the encounter weekends, but this will be a place of encounter. God, I pray that your presence will rest so strongly on this property as we are faithful to you. God, that people will even set foot on the property. God, those people that come in late at night in the summer because we don't have gates up to smoke drugs. They think they're coming on to smoke drugs, but God, they're going to encounter the presence of the living God. God, we thank you for just your presence in every way. 
God, and we believe and we thank you for this, God. And Lord, I thank you finally as we have an opportunity to sow today in this first fruits offering. God, I pray that we will hear, we will obey you, and God, I thank you as we sow bountifully that we will reap bountifully. God, we're cheerful givers. And I thank you that you are looking for distribution centers. You are looking for men and women of faithfulness that you can get resources to them so you can get it through them into your kingdom. That we are not going to be swamps. We are not going to be selfish people who are only focused on ourselves. But we're going to be kingdom people who want to sow and give into the kingdom of God. And so I thank you for this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, just raise your hands. Let's receive from God. And Father, I thank you. We already prayed, but I thank you for freedom. I thank you for the spirit of the Lord that's present in this place. And I thank you where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom and there is liberty, God. I thank you for this purpose, Jesus. You were manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And I just thank you and we agree for this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand to our feet today just as we close. Head bowed, eyes closed. I do want to give an opportunity. And, and some of our leaders, Connect Group leaders, some of other leaders, if you can just get ready to come forward, because I did promise we'd have prayer for people at the end. But Father, I thank you for those who don't know you, God, that you are convicting their hearts today. And if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, today's your day. If you're tuning online and you don't know Jesus, today is your day. The Bible tells us that God loves us with our everlasting love. We've been separated from that love by sin. The wages of sin is death. We all deserve punishment. I deserved punishment. But it says in this verse, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The free gift of God cancels out what we deserve. It's a free gift, but we still have to choose to receive it. And so if you're in this place today and you know you need to give your life to Jesus or you need to give your life back to Jesus, again, with every head bowed and every eyes closed, I just want you to wave your hand at me. If you say, today's my day. God, thank you. I see that hand over there. If there's anybody else, thank you. I see that hand over there. If there's anybody else, you're just saying, today's my day to be right with God. Thank you. I see that hand there. Is there anybody else? Come on, don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. The devil doesn't have to get you to say no to God. He just has to get you to say not today enough times. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that would anybody else in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, so let's do this. I'm going to pray a prayer. I want us all to pray it together. But if you raised your hand, I want you to pray it from your heart. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you rose again. Today I turn my back on sin. I commit my life to you. Fill me. Free me. Forgive me. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, well, thank you guys. I stretched things a little bit today, but you got to go, you got to go. So um, School of the Spirit is going to be in the back two classrooms, so we definitely have that. Remember, we got Alpha tomorrow night, lots of other good things going on. Uh, that's good. Manuel, come for a second. Let's come here. I want to show off the... Uh, if you guys the Wild Pioneer, so you didn't know, but we actually got Wild Pioneer merch. So Emmanuel's got the Wild Pioneer hoodie. Just hop up on stage for a second. I want to show this off. He's a good-looking model anyways right here. So we got some Wild Pioneer merch coming. We also got some more church merch that's coming. But you can make sure to get online, check it out. And uh, yeah, good-looking model right here. So anyways, we want to finish up. If you need prayer, we're going to have some leaders here across the front. If you raise your hand to give your life to Jesus, we're going to have some leaders over here. And what I love, I'm going to go there for a second too. If you could just come real quick, we'd love to just pray with you more personally and support you as you take this decision. So 
leaders across the front, be ready to pray with people. We are dismissed. We love you guys. Again, make sure to get those first fruits offerings in. And uh, School of the Spirit is going to be starting soon in the back. We love you guys. God bless you. Hmm? No. Oh, School of the Spirit level three. Yeah, School of the Spirit level three. So God bless you guys. Have an incredible, incredible, incredible Sunday. Again, if you need prayer, come forward for prayer. And if you gave your life to Jesus, you want prayer, come forward as well. Jesus, our hearts are open. No kill.